One of the reasons I listened to Autograph in the 1980s was because of the original guitarist, Steve Lynch. Welcome to Tulsa Music Stream, episode 76. I could not agree more. This is nine. Yes. That's Jana. Yes. And the man is on time. I had a I had a funny suspicion that a man who plays his guitar solos as perfectly as Steve Lynch does <laughs> yeah. would come in the show on time and not be late. That's Let's, right. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, share our stream on all your favorite yes. groups, all your favorite pages. Do it right now. Um, we right. are on YouTube live as well. Hit that subscribe button, uh, Twitter and Twitch. And we're also on, on, on the podcast, Spotify, Our Heart. Uh, Amazon and of course Apple Podcasts and many others so uh, take a listen and then follow friend do all that stuff and hit that notification bell thank you guys that's right let's get Steve on screen here he is promptly on time Mr. Steve Lynch how are you doing this evening Hi, Steve. hello fellow Tulsalandians how are uh, you thank <laughs> you it's so good to have you we've got a lot to cover with you this evening thanks again for the opportunity and letting us get caught up with what's going on in your world uh, first thing I want to talk about, I know you've been working on this for a while, and I was excited when you sent me uh, an email saying that it's in its final edits, but you yes. you have an autobiography coming out called Turn It Up, Confessions mm-hmm. of a Rock Guitarist. So That's tell right. us, do you have a tentative release date for this book yet? It's still going to be a few months out because um, I've been doing all of the edits myself. Um, because of the fact that I signed a deal that um, is a hybrid deal, mm-hmm. um, that gives me total control of everything, including all the artwork and all that. But uh, oh. I, I also make quite a bit more money doing it this way. I oh. have to do all the work, obviously, sure. but uh, sure, it pays I make a lot more money in the end. So I have to do all the edits. I have to pick out the pictures that go on the inside, um, involved with the whole cover design and all of that. So I just did the last... Uh, editing phase, which is going through and making sure that the chapters are not too long or not too short and condensing some of the chapters right. together and all that. So I've actually been through it. That's my 12th overall edit for the whole book. I mean, I've gone through the whole thing 12 separate times. My now, there's goodness. only one thing left, and that's called the the um, 
the line editing, and that's where you go through and you go through with the um, the the lead editor at the uh, at, at the, the publishing company, and you go through each line, each sentence, and you make sure it's the best it can possibly be. But wow. I don't think that's going to take very long because I've been through it so many times. I really don't want to change anything. I don't know how. When did, when did you first start putting it together? Because this has been in the works for quite a while, right? Yeah, it's it was June of, oh gosh, it would be, uh, COVID was what, uh, that was March 2020. of 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 been that long. What I, what I did is I started out um, by all these uh, stories that I had been, you know, telling for years and everything, and people say, man, you got to write a book about this. So... About a decade ago, I started writing down single sentences that would mm-hmm. remind me of these stories. And before you knew it, I had like well over uh, 250 stories. And so I thought, well, I got to condense that down, obviously. Yeah. But just by writing down that sentence, it would it would help remind me of what the whole story was. And then I would remember it. And um, so then I just started writing down all the stories chronologically from when mm. it first started out, you know, I was born in North Dakota, moved to Seattle when I was one because mm-hmm. I was born. And uh, <laughs> so then the story just keeps on building from that point on and mm-hmm. how I got into guitar, you know, going to the Guitar Institute, the early bands that I was playing in, in the 70s and the early 80s and going to the Guitar Institute um, and the formation of Autograph, the touring with Van Halen and Motley Crue and all mm-hmm. that. And, and so it's just a continuous story right on up to to the day, you know. So right, that so, would... it's going to be exciting. It's it's mainly it's mainly humorous, taking a humorous look at all the all the mishaps in my life and all the stuff that I went through, which I I haven't shared publicly with very many people at all. I mean, my mm-hmm. close friends, family know about them, but um, they said, "Man, you got to get it out there in public so that people so can hear cool. what wow. all the different we've gone through." Before, so. so when you do something like that, is it is it pretty tough to like? go back years and years ago, 30 years and, and remember some juicy stuff, or is it just <laughs> basically just, you know, your guitar technique and, and how you bought it, your first guitar, or is it, did you have to like kind of dig deep or stretch some truths or anything like that? <laughs> well, I had to call up family members and friends <laughs> from Seattle and everything. And I said, Hey, remember that time? Well, what, what are the details behind that? Because I'm a little bit foggy, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Did you and also so, have to uh, ask people for permission? You know what well, I'm saying? Like to include them in the story. Family, so yeah. no, uh, not really. Everybody was very happy to even be mentioned in it. So, okay. so yeah. is, is your approach with the book, obviously it's a, it's an autobiography of a very interesting life and, and amazing life that you've led. Do you also hope that, that the readers will get something out of it? Uh, like, you know, beyond just your story. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Um, just the positive attitude that I've, I've always kept, you know, when things got really, really tough. And uh, also, you know, how I went through it methodically and the things that I would, I would change slightly to make things, you know, uh, move on a little bit faster mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, learning about, you know, teaching them about theory and everything and how important it is to, to really know the business itself. And it's almost like you have to be, immersed in an area almost like well back then anyway you had to be either be in la or new york and Mm -hmm. or nashville and uh so you know i talk a lot about the different steps that i had to go through the whole learning process and i think that by talking about that and describing in detail what all the different things that i went through i think people will be able to understand 
you know, there are, there is a certain, uh, you know, uh, definitely a certain mode that you have to follow in order to, to become successful in this business. You know. I'm going to tell you, in, in researching for you for this interview, I learned something. I always kind of thought this, and then you sort of confirmed it, but I was a little bit surprised. Maybe some of the viewers will be surprised to hear this, but there was a, a guy interviewing you, and he said, was there ever a, an opportunity, a, you know, noteworthy opportunity that you turned down? And if so, why'd you turn it down? And you said that you had a chance to play for Alice Cooper, but you decided that if you went and taught, uh, you know, guitar clinics and things like that, you could make three times the money that blew my mind that's incredible you know and and i also had some some other shows still that were that were pending with autograph and so if i would have went out on tour with him it would have interfered with that and then i had these clinics set up in europe and that was that was good money and i, I couldn't turn that down it was Jeez. basically three times as much as he was offering for a week i was getting wow. you know for overseas and i kind of wanted that anyway um i've never looked at myself as being a musician that can really play uh somebody else's songs mm -hmm. um i've never you know since it has it's been since 1977 since i played anybody else's songs except for just for fun right. you know we did american bandstand we put that on our second album you know that being a grand fuck railroad song but uh other than that i haven't played any cover songs at all. It's always been original stuff. Yeah. And so for me to go and play Alice Cooper stuff, that felt a bit odd to me too. Sure. And the same thing happened with uh, Paul Stanley contacted me also. And, and he called me on the day actually that we signed our three album deal with RCA. Wow. And so, yeah. So there's a whole story in there about that as well. It's, uh, I yeah. actually hung up on him. I didn't think it was really him. I go, yes, it is. And it was like one thirty in the morning. We were all out celebrating because of the fact we just signed this three album deal with RCA. So right. And he, yeah. and, well, this is Paul Stanley from Kiss. And I went, yeah, right. And I hung up. Oh, you know? geez, <laughs> how funny. Yeah, oh, I always... Then he called back, you know, and, and uh, no, he said it really. At that time, he only had landlines, so I could tell that it was. It sounded like it was uh, on a long distance line. So uh, he said he was calling from New York and he got my number from Mike Vardy from Guitar yeah. Player And he said that, uh, he, you know, I've heard your demo and I'm really interested in having you wow. try out. Basically, he just, he wanted me in the group, you know, but I said, well, I, I just signed a three album deal. And oh, geez. That's not going to be, wow. that's going to be something I can do, you know. And, and so, again, you could have been the next encore. Yeah. So what was that? You could have been. You could have put on some makeup and been the next uh, Uncle Warrior or whatever Vincent oh, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd have been cool. <laughs> you, you know yeah. what's what's crazy is sometimes like when I hear you're playing, it kind of reminds me of a little bit, not not a whole lot, but a little bit like the tone and everything, a little bit like uh, uh, Mark St. John on the Animalize album. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of got that same speed yeah. kind of technique and everything going on. But um, yeah, I, I always thought that. And I, and I was always amazed why after autograph, someone big didn't already pick you up. Yeah, no kidding. You know, that always kind of, you know. Surprising. Yeah, surprised well, me. I kind of laid low. And after that, you know, that uh, initial autograph split up and I was I was off in Europe. So I was I was doing these clinics and everything. And then I had been writing even some some writing uh, was was while I was in autograph. It just wasn't right for autograph. So. I, I put those songs aside and I decided, you know, when I had some time off when I came back from uh, touring in Europe, 
um, I decided, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put the put everything in motion to actually record the solo album, which I did. It's called Network 23, mm-hmm. and it's just basically all songs that I wrote um, over like about a four or five year period. And mm-hmm. I decided hey, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and I wanted that freedom of just kind of doing whatever I wanted to do without having anybody anybody else's input you know and i just uh decided well you know i demoed it out and i played all the instruments on it you know except it was a drum machine at the time when i demoed it out and then i went into the studio i signed a record deal with sasapa records and they were out of uh, columbus ohio but you know they it was it was an upcoming company they had uh uh SEMA distribution capital emi manhattan so mm-hmm. that was kind of a big deal you know to get that kind of distri- distribution yeah and uh, i signed with them but unfortunately they they went bankrupt so mm-hmm. then i i had to take my my master tapes out of there i went back to la i recorded uh um some more of it uh at fox run studio in sound cities and sound city in la then i eventually moved it to uh new river studios in fort lauderdale florida where i moved there and that was in 92 actually mm-hmm. and then i finally finished it up uh it took me to about 95 and um but it, it was great having that opportunity of having complete control over it just like the and same no way time I frame either i want to complete control of the book so yeah you know. for sure well we're going to get into more autograph stories but i i do want to ask you about blue neptune this is your solo project mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that the sound the the, the players involved um what can people expect out of blue neptune well, what I'm going to do is do the same thing I did with the Network 23 album, except this time I'm not going to record the whole album. I'm just going to do uh, a single at a time and release it. You know, okay. I'm just going to take my time with each one. What it's going to be, do- what it is, is it's going to be my version of my favorite album of all time, and that's Dark Side of the Moon. Oh. And um, so it's just experimentation. I'm not not really looking for radio hits or anything like that because that's that's not where I'm at. I've already sure. turned down that. And everything so right. um it's just whatever i feel inside and whatever i want to put down on uh on, on, on the on vinyl whatever way i release it whatever i want to put down then that's just me and it's, it's going to be a variety of different things you know i just i listen to a lot of different styles of music and so i look at it like that's what i want to do is i want to have the freedom to be able to do that again like i did before because i really enjoyed making my uh, previous solo album so i'm going to do that same thing again then have guest people come in i might have uh chris frazier come in again and mike Bangini. chris frazier was a drummer uh that was with steve i and then he uh was with white snake and then foreigner for almost wow. two decades and then um uh, mike Bangini also played some drums on it and he's been with uh, steve i and with uh dream theater for oh, wow. it's now too so they're both incredible drummers so i'll probably have yeah. them come back in Amazing. And um, then the guy that I, I use on vocals just did an amazing kick-ass job, Scott Gilman. He is, uh, I'd, I'd love to have him come back in and, and do some vocal tracks as well. He's, right now, he's like a very popular uh, jazz saxophonist in, in L.A. Does a lot of studio work and tours with different people and stuff. But uh, now he, he, if you're listening to Network 23, that saxophone on there, great stuff. That's all him doing that and doing all the vocals. I did some of the background vocals, but he was tremendous on it. So, so at this point, you don't have, again, like kind of like the book, you don't have a tentative release date that you expect for that to come out? It's- no, I expect to uh, start that, you know, after after the book comes out, then I'm going to be doing a book tour. Okay. And then I'm going to go ahead and start laying down tracks for that. Excellent. And, 
you know, but I'm taking, I'm kind of taking things, you know, a little bit easy. I'm not, I'm not forcing myself to, you know, to multitask because what I found out is when I do that, then it seems like one thing seems to suffer and I don't want my guitar playing or my songwriting or anything else to suffer. I want to really concentrate on exactly that one thing, one song at a time. That's another thing. That's why I want to do the uh, only releasing single at a time so I can put my, all my energy just into one song, sure. you know, and then go on and, and com- write a completely different song. You know, I already have something written already. It's just that, you know, now I've already changed my my <laughs> whole style again. And so I'm looking at it. Well, it'll come out whatever it comes out as, you know, but uh, right. it'll be multifaceted. Sure. That's cool. Now, you worked, of course, you released three albums, uh, your first three albums in Autograph, you know, with RCA. And, and I, I believe all three albums had a different producer. Usually it seems like they, you know, when a band comes out, you kind of work with the same producer for at least for the first couple albums or whatever. Uh, but right. you guys decided to go with three different ones each time. Was there a reason why uh, you guys did that? Oh, yeah. It's very easy. It's availability. Um, and that's when we did the second album, we wanted Neil Curtin to come in, um, but he wasn't available. He was in the studio and we had, we had to get it done quickly. So we, we got another guy, um, from Canada and, um, he was, he was actually working out very well, but he didn't really have a lot of input because he said, you know, we asked him, I said, well, what do you think of this? He says, it sounds great. You know, uh, do you have anything to add? And he goes, you guys are so good in the studio he says i can't think of anything you're by the time i come up with an idea you're already trying it he mm-hmm. says so you guys are so far ahead because all of us were pretty seasoned um seasoned pros in the studio we had all done you know played on several different albums and everything this wasn't like our first merry-go-round you know right. so this was this was something where we were all experienced in this area and so he just looked at us and just said guys i don't even know what i'm doing here <laughs> you guys are very proficient you know and you're very you know uh creative and everything i'm not sure i really need to be here and so um wow. so we sent them home and really we uh we produced it ourselves on the second album mm-hmm. and yeah. then we wanted to work with andy johns because andy johns you know fame with a brother glenn johns and all that and uh they worked with you know some, some of the beatles and led zeppelin and stones and everything so they have mm-hmm. a huge history um but we wanted to do it with him, but again, his schedule was off. By the time we did the third album, though, which was 1987, Andy, Andy had off. And so he's the one that did our, yeah, that's right, loud and clear. And he's the one that did our demo before we even, that's how we basically got the, the tour with uh, Van Halen's because he produced a de- demo for us. We just went in one day and recorded five songs, and then the next day we went in and mixed it. And, um, and uh, it was Kenny, our drummer, Kenny Richards, our drummer, who played it for David Lee Roth on their morning jogging routine. Right. And uh, Roth loved it. And he said, mm. why don't you guys come out and tour with us this year, the 1984 wow. tour. Jeez. And so we were kind of going, damn, <laughs> that would be that would be a great opportunity. Yeah. But we all had great gigs. I was playing in, uh, me and the keyboard player were playing in a group uh, with Holly Penfield on Dreamland Records. And then, uh, the, the singer was playing in a group called Silver Condor on Columbia Records. The drummer was uh, playing in a group called The Coup on AM Records. And wow. uh, Randy, the bass player, was playing with Lita Ford and recording with her. Wow. And, um, but we decided, well, we can go, we're done with these other projects, at least we're recording for right now. Why don't we go out and have some fun? So we decided to do it. 
thought of a name on the way from driving from Los Angeles to Jacksonville, Florida. See, that's what I'm talking about as far as the stories go. Mm-hmm. It's just like everything just kind of falls into place. And you just you just go down the yellow brick road on your merry old way. You know, I think as musicians, we could we all have on some level those kind of stories, so we could relate. Yeah very well i'm sure and it had to be cool yeah. too to turn on mtv and see like ozzy and vince neal in your video man it's, you know it's yeah. like wow we're, we're doing some cool shit with here's vince neal and ozzy osbourne yeah. walking in that was always cool right right and we we just toured with motley Crue, and um we had uh, also just uh, did headbangers ball with ozzy mm. and so we asked them both to come down for the video and they both said yeah absolutely we'd love to we had a gas doing that uh, video for Loud and Clear, too. Ozzy brought down Sharon and the kids and everything. And they, we had, had catering brought in, and, and it was, it, <laughs> wow. it, it, it How was cool. It was a lot of fun. I accidentally just put this. I was going to talk about this, and I accidentally just put it up. But if, oddly enough, in three nights, we're interviewing George Lynch. We have both Lynches on oh, this week. Cool. Right. It's the week so of the Lynch. I just happened to find that picture. Do, do you have a, a, a friendship with George? Well, you know, we we just... You know, because of our schedules, we've just kind of crossed each other's paths, you know, at shows and stuff and, and said a few words to one another. But usually he's going somewhere and I'm going somewhere. He might be going on stage or getting off stage. I might be going on stage. So right. just kind of cross each other. But, uh, yeah, we're both uh, Washington boys. And, uh, you know, we're all, you know, it's like George and myself and Eddie Van Halen, uh, we're all right around the same age. George was born. A few months before me, and I was born like uh, 10 days before Eddie. So mm-hmm. we're all in that same age group. You know, we're all, I don't know, 68. Cool. Yeah. Now, you mentioned going on tour with Motley Crue. And uh-huh. um, I know that you, um, I think I've read somewhere where you uh, you formed a friendship back then with uh, Mick Mars. And um, uh-huh. I know there's like a lot of stuff going out on the press about Mick Mars, not, you know, and Motley Crue and a lot of yeah. A lot of nonsense going on back and forth between the two camps and everything. Do you have a, an opinion about, you know, any of that? Um, have you spoken with Mick? Are you still friends with him? No, I've lost contact with Mick uh, soon after we toured with him. And so, you know, I haven't really been in contact with anybody from, you know, those touring days, you know. Um, mm. But, um, you know, I hope that that everything works out amicably, you know, that's, that's my hope for them. And, um, I, it, it sounds from what I've been hearing that, that, that Mick, uh, deserves what he has coming to him. And so uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really hoping that it works out for him. Yeah. It seems like just, just from a bird's eye view, the stuff I've seen on my feed, it seems like most people are siding with Mick on this deal. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've been, I've been reading a little bit about it and it, and it seems very, he- very heavy that way, actually. Yeah. You know, especially with musicians. Right. Because musicians, I think they understand more than most people. They understand, you know, the politics of it and how, how difficult it can, it can be. And so, you know, they, they want, you know, fair justice for everyone. Right. Sure, sure. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the song that launched you guys into the stratosphere. Turn up the radio. Now, I was I was a little surprised to read, and I'm sure you've discussed this many times before. You guys were lukewarm about this song at first. Can you explain to me why why you guys didn't feel so great about it? Well, it wasn't us. We thought it was great. Oh, it was who, actually it was RCA. Oh, okay. That, that wasn't. Yeah, they're the ones we were saying guys, it's turn up the radio. The radio stations are going to go nuts. And wow. they kept wanting to release uh, Send Her to Me first. And we're going, no, 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 no. Turn up the radio is going to 
going to break out, you know, and, and really become a big radio hit. Okay. And we finally talked them into it because they were right down. We filmed both videos, but they still wanted to release uh, Send Her to Me first. And I'm going, no, no, no. We argued with them and we finally got our way. And it turned out to be definitely the right decision. Yeah, without a doubt. And you spent a ton of time crafting that solo, correct? About, uh, well, it was five eight-hour days. This is what came to Wow. I mean, I knew the song was going to get a lot of radio play. And, you know, it doesn't matter what song. I always spend a lot of time, you know, creating the solo. I look at solos like that. That's another section of the song. It's like the middle of the song, usually, or half, you know, uh, two-thirds of the way into the song. And you want that to carry off to somewhere there where you take the listener on a little journey, okay? Mm -hmm. But it also has to fit the song. That's why in rehearsal, what I'd do is I'd bring a boom box and I'd set, set it up and say, okay, guys, I want you to just play, you know, like the chorus before it goes into the solo or the bridge before or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then um, I want you to be singing. And then at the end of where my solo is, I want you to be singing whatever you're going to be singing on that part as well. So I know you know, what to do on the guitar where it's not going to interfere with any of the singing. And I want to tell a story in between that, yeah. you know? And so I would always make up everything. I never wanted to repeat myself ever. There's some things that sound a little uh, similar from one song to the next, but I actually never, you know, really repeated myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I stick for that, just to make up a song for, or make up a solo for that particular song. And the way I would do it was I would put, uh, I would, I would put my guitar in the corner, listen to the playback of that tape that I recorded in rehearsal without a guitar in my hands. And I'd listen over and over and over again to it until I finally started hearing something that would be like a great beginning to the solo. Hmm. And then I'd grab my guitar and I'd figure out what I was hearing. And then hmm. I'd set it back down again and I'd go, okay, now I just... I just came up with this and I recorded this little part with it, you know, and, and uh, then I would, I would listen to the next part. I think, okay, what's, what's the good parts come after that. And so I did it section by section, you know, because wow. I wanted to build something. It's just like when a lyricist is writing the lyrics, you know, for a song out, they want it to, they keep on crossing stuff out and mm -hmm. trying everything. And I was doing that, like you mentioned for uh, turn up the radio and it was just like hit and miss, hit and miss. Then I finally got it on the fifth day, the day before I was supposed to go into the studio. <laughs> I finally got that solo that's on it today. Oh, and I went, that's and, it. I'm not going to come up with anything better right. than that. But I'll <laughs> keep on that. And you okay. actually were uh, won guitar uh, guitar solo of the year from uh, Guitar Player Magazine. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was very excited about that. Now, actually, it was Guitar World, I believe. Okay. It was so long ago, I don't even remember. Right. I was on tour when that whole thing happened. They just told me about it. I said, wow, that's so awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. 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 Guitar solo of the year. You know, the thing yeah. that, you know, I, I, and call me a nerd, but every time we do one of these streams, you know, at work, I like to, to rock out to the, to whoever guests that we're uh, going to be interviewing for that day. And, you know, as I go through Spotify, I, I just can't seem to find any of the RCA recordings, um, albums, uh, under the autograph name. And yeah. do we, what's the, what's the reasons for it behind all that? Well, what happened was, Sony came in and bought out um, all of our uh, the three albums from RCA. Actually, they took over the publishing for it. And we were still, you know, getting our regular publishing from Spotify and all that kind of stuff. But now, as of this last August, they just lost possession of that. Mm. So it's supposed to all the rights to all those songs as far as public 
uh, publishing goes, goes back to the artist, okay? <clears throat> but it's not only us, Sony has over 200 bands that they're dealing with this right now. Mm. So they're finally negotiating it down to the point. Now my, the guy that's handling this for me, he said, it's gonna be like a few more months, but it looks like we're going to do a deal. And um, what's gonna happen is every, Sony will put everything back on and they will also pay the artists for back pay since it hasn't been on, you know? And so that'd be nice to get that check, of course, you know, but you know, things like this happen in the music industry, you know, and it's something that's way above your head and you can't really control. We didn't sell it to RCA, RCA sold it to- Well, trust us, we've talked to to some people who had no control over what was happening and they lost their stuff and this and that. Yeah, we've heard some pretty fucked up stories. Sad stuff. Yeah. 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 And for some reason, you know, I, I know that there's, you know, there's, I don't know if there's a, a court battle going on between you, between you and the autograph, uh, band members, the, the other autograph guys that, you know, you, you no longer play with for the, right. for, I guess, for the, for the fight of the name and everything, how far is that coming or is it not coming at all? No, it's 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 definitely it's coming to an end right as we speak. It's it's coming to an end right now. Um, we do own the name, okay, and that's just the way it is. Even yeah. through common law, we own it, but we have a partnership agreement that goes from January first, nineteen eighty four, all the way up to December thirty first, twenty thirty three. Which I'm going to renew it even after that. But we own it. We own the name, and people have to keep in mind they sued us for the name. But there was no written or oral agreement ever with them. Nothing. It was just, but they just decided to take it after Randy passed away, which is a very unfortunate thing. And uh, so, Steve, when you say when you say we own the name, obviously that includes you. Who are you talking? Are you referring to Steve Plunkett? Yeah. Well, uh, Steve Plunkett also, but he he doesn't want to be involved in any of the legalities. He gave me. In writing, complete control of taking care of all this stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're what good. a headache that must be. Yeah. For you. What yeah. a mess. Oh God, you would not believe. <laughs> but, you know, I've read both you know, sides, and I just I don't understand the other side's argument as far as how they think they could retain it. It's just it's just Greek to me. I don't get it, but I'm glad it's know, coming uh, to me. Most most people don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it myself because I'm going. Wait a minute. I'm an original member. Um, right. Right. me with the name, you know, and I've yeah. had the name since 1984. So sure. You know. Just, so, just, but, out of, just out of curiosity, when you do win the name back, what, what plans do you have with it? With when you, once you get the name back, yeah. are you, are you, do you have any plans to use the name again or just, well, this, is the, this is the thing I'm looking at is before I talked about uh, blue Neptune, you know, possibly, you know, doing some recording with that. But that would just be recording. Just like with Network 23, I didn't go out, I didn't put a band together, I didn't go out touring. Right. But I'm getting the itch to go out and play again. So I would put a whole new band together, you know, and we'd go out and play some old songs and, and also, you know, some new ones that I write for the for the band as well. But it would be all it would be all new. The only original member would be me mm. because uh, you know, Steve Plunkett doesn't he's got his own thing going. Um, and he's actually a minister now. So Oh wow, <laughs> so, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, you know, good for him. Um, but uh, we need that to happen so you can get out here and play Rocklahoma. No kidding. Oh, God, yeah. Would love to do that. Still no, haven't I, played it. 
So yeah. I actually Tulsa got I act, I actually met you when you uh, played at Streets Gone Wild here in Tulsa. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And um, we took a picture and everything. Um, but you were a really nice guy, so that was really cool to see yeah. you see you up there playing again and everything. So that was that That's was fun. always a treat. Uh, but yeah. you know, you've lost you've lost three members, uh, original members of Autograph, and those have all had to been tough. You know, Randy ran just recently, and your drummer uh, uh, Kenny, mm-hmm. and then your keyboard player. Um, it's just uh, tragedy. Just, yeah, a lot of tragedy. You know. Yeah. So it's got to be. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been unbelievable. You know, they're guys that you've known for so long. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they, they, they start, they start just dropping off the face of the earth. And, you know, uh, uh, Steve Eichen, the original keyboard player, he had jaw, the cancer, and he passed away from that. Mm. And then, uh, Kenny got shot and, and killed. He wow. got shot twice in the stomach and he bled to death in his home, Good which was a total shocker. I mean, yeah, that's like, you know, all these different topics, you know, about all this stuff going on. Um, and then Randy just passed away last April 26th. So it's been almost a year now. And, uh, and that was a real surprise because, you know, he was out touring and having fun. And that's why, um, you know, they're still using the name, you know, cause basically we gave him permission to go ahead and use it. We didn't care as long as they're original members. So that's mm-hmm. the thing is the original member go out and have fun. You know, I didn't want to do it anymore because I was just, you know, I wanted to do something different musically, and and that was that. So, talk real quick, if you don't mind. I'm going to put this picture up, and I read your I read your story, and you started out as a bass player. For those who may not know, but Jimi Hendrix had such an effect on you that when he passed away, you decided to switch to guitar and dedicated your life to music. What was it about Hendrix that just drew you in so much and made this the course for life that you wanted to choose? It was uh, just that style, what he did with the guitar, all those different sounds that he came up with. He was just a complete innovator. And even back then, you know, I heard him in 1967 when he first came out, you know, the Are You Experienced album. And I was only 12 years old at the time. And I was playing bass because the kid down the street played guitar already. So so I got a bass, you know, and so I started Mm -hmm. playing bass. I really wanted to play guitar. And so um, anyway, what happened was I just kept on getting more and more into Hendrix. And then unfortunately this, this friend of mine that we we're playing in the, in the little band together, the guitar player, he, he passed away and mm. at that young age, I think it's only 13 at the time. Good but um, anyway, so, and his name was, you know, uh, Jerry Hendrix. So, you know, which is really weird, Jimmy to Jerry. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, so I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try, you know, switching over a little bit, to guitar, but I was so used to playing bass, you know. But then when Hendrix died, September 18th, 1970, I was 15. I went, okay, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna play guitar. And so I traded in my bass that day. My dad took me up to Farmers Music just south of Seattle, and um, I traded in the bass uh, for a Stratocaster. Hmm. And I just that was the end of that story. I just kept going. You probably had a cool jazz bass or a P bass or something back then, huh? It was actually just a wild bass. Oh, okay. I know what those, I know what those yeah. are. I'm a, I'm a bass player. I know what those are. Yeah. So. Very cool. But no, I, I love playing bass, and I, I still do. You know, I, I still play it on my tracks and everything, you know, because I really enjoy it. But, uh, sure. you know, I just uh, like the experimentation with guitar. So. I, wa- I want to know what it's like. You know, you, there's so many musicians that, that they'll have 
you know, a good career, putting out albums, but a lot of them don't have a song like turn up the radio. They just don't, you know, and I'm not yeah. talking about one that like, come on, feel the noise. You know, one of those, when you go to a basketball game, when you go to a football <laughs> game, when you go to a hockey game yeah. and, and everywhere you go, your song gets pumped through the speakers. I mean, it, it's one of those anthem type songs that just, they, it will never go away. That's right. And, 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 and it has longevity and it has to be a good feeling knowing that you guys performed, wrote an anthem an anthem yeah. that blew up. I mean, that song blew the hell up and it's still like that. Do you, do you ever like yeah. go out in public and go to a game and at a Lakers game or whatever, or, and, oh, yeah. and, or Florida, the Miami dolphins and turn up the radio yeah. comes on. Oh, that's so it cool. Happens all the time. And I go, cha-ching. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Every one sure. of those venues that plays that I get paid for that. So, right. which is not, uh, right. it's not all about that. It's, it's really just that a is, really nice yeah. thing to have something that you created. And we created all that song together. I mean, I was just sitting, you know, in rehearsal one time, because we were just guys that got together and just drank beer and rehearsed. We all had paid gigs and I was up on stage. I started messing around with those octaves. And Randy, basically, what is that? And so I showed it to him real quick. So we were jamming around. And then the drummer got up. Then everybody else got up and we we wrote out the lyrics and we were just goofing around with it. We didn't think it was going to go anywhere because we, at this point, we were, we were, um, you know, just, just guys that got jammed together. That's all it was. And so then, uh, then, you know, when we're all sitting there writing the lyrics, we called it Turn Up the Cassette Machine. And that's <laughs> how we recorded the demo. We recorded that demo that, that actually got us on the Van Halen tour that was played for David Lee Roth. But we had already, by the time David the author, we already changed it to turn up the radio set of cassette machine because we thought, hmm, cassette machines probably aren't going to be around forever. <laughs> you were <laughs> right about that. So tell me yeah. something. How does a person's life change and how quickly does it change when you have an album that goes gold? Oh, it's, it's, it's miraculous. You know, you think... You know, especially us being a little bit older guys, we're all the same age as Van Halen. So, um, you know, we're we're like seventies guys. We're not really eighties guys. We were, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, 29, 30 years old when we got signed to RCA. Mm-hmm. And so, to get signed that late, which is it's, it's kind of unheard of anyway, right? Uh, you know, because by the time you're out of your twenties, you know, you're pretty much you're pretty much gone. You're not fresh meat uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, but it was it was such a cool feeling to like feel hear, hear it for the first time, you know. Uh, and we were all together when we heard it for the first time on the radio, you know, Chuck the radio, and uh, then the album going gold like that. And then it's it's started sounding like Mad Overseas as well. And uh, so we just thought, wow, this is just like something we did not expect at all, you know. And we were really really uh, gratified that it did happen that way. Are those memories pretty clear in your mind? Like, does it feel like it was yesterday? Yeah, uh, they are because um, it had such a, a high impact on my life, you know, and, and plus I've shared the story numerous times. I mean, mm-hmm. I was doing interviews back then and I'm still doing interviews about it. So <laughs> it's pretty refreshed in my mind. So. Yeah. How was that scene for, how, in 1984, how was that scene out there in the, in the Los Angeles area when you guys were in it? And you're watching these well, other bands, Motley you know, and Rat. Before, 
we weren't really in it like with a lot of the other bands because we were already playing in bands that were on labels okay it's like they were all professional bands with professional labels um so when we didn't really do the uh club scene out there we did in different bands you know what i mean but not with autograph you know mm -hmm. we just went right from these guys that rehearsed together into opening up for van halen that was yeah. it so we didn't we we never were one of those people that took the staplers and put all our all our posters and flyers up all over the telephone poles down there. We weren't one of those bands. We were just one of those bands that kind of stepped into an, uh, an opportunity and took it and ran with it. So you so, were there in 1984 playing, you said, in other, oh, yeah. in other bands, in the clubs and yeah. stuff. But to watch all that happen from there, you know, when it started happening. Because, you know, in the early yeah, 80s, it, it, the Knack and Devo and that kind of thing was popular. And here oh, comes yeah. like Motley Crue and all this. To see yeah. that happen. Happening uh, before was, your eyes. It was a spandex circus, and yes. it was uh, <laughs> it was wonderful to watch. Let me tell you, it was uh, it, it was an exciting time because there was so much energy, and, and everybody just just wanted to, you know, be a part of that whole scene. It wasn't only the musicians; it was just the the fans and just everybody that lived there. They just all gravitated towards that whole scene on Sunset Strip, and you know we. I'd frequent, you know, the Troubadour and, and uh, of course, the Whiskey and the Rainbow, of course. That was yeah. the usual regular haunts of mine. And, you know, the Roxy and Gazares and, and all that. So, and Starwood, of course. And so I just had a great time going to these clubs and seeing different bands play and being a part of the whole scene. Actually. What year did you get there? I got there like the latter part of 77. Wow. So, so you, you haven't was, mentioned Randy Rhodes at all. Pardon me? You haven't mentioned Randy Rhodes once. I'm sure you saw him. Uh, Randy Rhodes? No, yeah. I never did. Never wow. Did oh, wow. That's amazing. No, it was very odd because, you know, we were around the same places a lot. Yeah. I was surprised I never did run into him. Yeah, oh. I would have loved to have sat there and jammed with him and just changed some okay. lyrics. Okay. You know, one of the things that I was always impressed with you guys and autograph was your, your videos. And your video, your videos had a lot of energy and had a lot of hot girls in all of them <laughs> practically you know that's the song with uh blondes and black cars and yeah. and and then you also had a a solo on that was it loud and clear album called hammerhead and everything mm -hmm. but your, vid your, your yeah, videos were album, yeah. yeah yeah but your yeah. videos were just so flamboyant and and was that just say something you guys wanted to do was it you know kind of the the california girls daily raw thing you know Basically, yeah, our director, Oli Sassoon, who did most of our videos, he was, he was all into that, you know, the, a lot of color, a lot of action, a lot of excitement, quick edits in the videos and everything. And, mm -hmm. and we kind of enjoyed it because, you know, when we look back at the finished product, we went, wow, that really moves along really nicely, mm -hmm. you know. And, and we were in the editing room uh, a lot at times as well, you know, picking out which scenes would look good where and everything. And the, the Blondes and Black Cars, that was such a fun video to do. And... Um, <laughs> I, when I did my solo, you might notice that, you know, when you watch the video, that I'm out in the desert, you know, and I'm sitting in, in the back of this Lincoln convertible. Right. And uh, I sit you on Lincoln convertible, uh, Continental. And um, yeah. I'm sitting in the back and I'm doing the solo and everything. And there's a girl in the front. Well, there's, we, we uh, filmed a bunch of different scenes out there. And we were just in one trailer, you know, it was just me because the rest of the band didn't need to film that day because it was mainly just for my solo. And so I'm back up there with all these these gorgeous women and they're they're changing, you know, inside the trailer right in front of me <laughs> in between takes and the I'm poor going, guy. 
wow, this is just, when I told the rest of the band this, they were all throwing their drinks on me and everything. Ah. And off that I got to right. experience something That's hilarious. <laughs> So tell me, some the, dr- the dreams that my fifteen-year-old brain had. Yeah, yeah. he lived them. You, you just <laughs> yeah. dreamed them. He lived them. That's funny. Let me take you in a little bit different direction. I, um, all of us are on the panel here are musicians, and so I'm going to pick your brain. When I get oh. in a rut with my guitar playing, what have you found is the best way to break out of a rut? By uh, trying to figure out a saxophone solo or a oh. violin solo. Really? Break into something completely different. It makes you listen differently and it makes you play differently because you're trying to emulate another instrument. Hmm. And it's miraculous. Is that right? Interesting. Okay. Everybody just follows guitar players, but that's already been done. Sure. You know, try try to seek out something that hasn't been done. And when you listen to like the interval skips that are done on a saxophone, you go, oh, that da 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 you know, and you just go, oh. I'm going to figure that out on a guitar. Wow. So I was doing that with John Coltrane, and and uh, and uh, I was doing it with uh, Jean-Luc Ponty, the violin player, you know, when I was going to the Guitar Institute. And the wow. last guitar player that I listened to was in 1978, and that was Alan Holsworth from the album right. Enigmatic with Jean-Luc Ponty. And the group UK was like a super group. It was like a, a, a King Crimson slash Genesis kind of thing, you know what wow. I mean? Yeah. And, uh, Great, great album. It's all instrumental stuff, you know, but uh, it was amazing. That's interesting. Okay, I never would have thought to try that, but I will definitely give that a shot. Here's another. Yeah, go ahead. They have, you know, different uh, ways that you can learn it. They have guitar tab on there for these, you know, transcribed solos for saxophone and stuff. You start getting that. It takes you in such a different direction, you know, and I love that because then you end up, not sounding quite like everybody else you know you, you have your own flavor um huh. there's this guy max Ox, ostro from uh russia mm-hmm. who does that i mean he's just got a really unique style he can play pretty much anything but um he's, he's just one of those players that you can you can listen to a little bit of the jazz influence but it's with heavy distortion or yeah. you know, man, that's way out there that's really cool sounding it sounds very unique so how many guitar clinics a year would you say you average well, I did a total of 325. Oh, my goodness. So um, in 20 different countries. Wow. I did a wow. clinic in every state except for Maine and Alaska. And um, I was all over Europe, uh, South America, uh, Mexico, over to New Zealand and Australia. So I would say that was over just a couple of year periods. So. There was a lot. <laughs> Are, no kidding. Are you seeing a lot of young players coming up? Do you have hope that, that we still have, like, you know, the, the youth are going to carry on the, the torch of the electric guitar for us? Yes, I do have hope. But um, like what I was just mentioning to you as far as, um, you know, breaking out of what every everybody's already doing. I mean, mm-hmm. the only way you're really going to break out of that is by li- listening to different instruments, getting to know your theory and trying to come up with different ways to so even just play the pentatonic scale. Like when I was going to, to the Guitar Institute, I was playing, I was trying to figure out every different way I could play the pentatonic scale that, that hasn't been done yet, mm-hmm. which of course, pretty much everything's been done, but I was trying anyway. <laughs> um, but that, and uh, also you have to learn to write. And one thing I tell, I would tell my students when I'm still teaching is I'd say, um, listen to the drums come up with a really cool drum beat build the song up from there don't write a song with the guitar in your hands 
hear it from the drums up. And you'll be amazed what you come up with. That's really because cool. Because once you have a solid foundation, a really cool beat going, man, that makes all the difference in the world. Wow, that's amazing. That's really wow. cool advice. I definitely love your Charvel that has, you know, your signature uh, with the paint job with the... the, the oh, the, yeah. Just love that. And and I'm sure you still play that thing. And you had a white yeah. one and um, a bl- I think it was a black one with the yellow... The yellow yeah. uh, what kind of... What do you call those lines anyway? It's like a well, heart, it's, heart it's, rate. It's, it's, the group was auto graph. So I, I put a graph on it. Ah, uh, okay. There we like, go. Like a heartbeat. <laughs> You know, kind of like a heartbeat. Right, right. Um, yeah. Cool, and cool. That's what we want to well, we yeah. definitely have some questions and people in the chat room that we want to get to, but I, I wanted to touch on. Um, you did a lot of soundtracks. Your, your, you know, you put songs on movies and and everything. And one of my favorite was Father Like Son, which was uh, a yeah. was a Dudley Moore. And, and uh, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was I saw that in the movie theater, and I remember when um, the song came on, and and um, was it uh, she never looked that good for me. Yeah. Anyway, that's right. And that it, was that had to be a really cool experience to go to the movie theater and, and, and like hear your songs oh, yeah. being played over. It was great, and uh, that we played that. That's actually live. What hmm. we did on it, you know. Oh, wow. Um, but what we did was. Uh, you know, it was right before we had to go out on tour the next day, actually. And and so we were called in at the last minute to kind of do this. And so we said, well, okay, we can squeeze it in, you know. But so we went in and that was the song that we decided we we're gonna use off of uh, the third album. And um, we just, we were just playing and, uh, you know, we thought, you know, we got a couple of good takes of it, but they just said, okay, Guys, that sounded good, but we need to get our, our sound levels right and get the lighting right this time, all synced and everything. So, so he said, so just go ahead and play through it again. Don't don't worry about it. Just go ahead and just, it doesn't matter. You can make mistakes or whatever. So we played it again. And at the end of it, they went, that's a tape. Wow. Went, what? No, 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 no. We're all goofing <laughs> up. I was spitting water on Kenny, and he was throwing drumsticks at me and everything. We were just totally goofing around because we thought it was just a rehearsal. And they said, that's the best, that's the oldest trick in the book. Because what they do is they tell an actor, you know, that, hey, this is just a rehearsal, just go through the lines again. Right. And that ends up being their best performance a lot of times. Hmm. And it worked. When we watched it back, we went, wow, it's perfect. Wow. Yeah. That's, cool. That's so cool. So one, one more kind of just out of left field question, but I like asking, you know, artists that, that are from the eighties genre that that's typically what we cover on this show. Cause that's, that's what we love. Uh, what do you feel is, is the current state of the music in- industry and how do you think social media has impacted the music industry? Well, it's really helped a lot of artists, artists out there get heard at least. Um, that never would have ever been heard because uh, this this is your uh, it's a great flat platform to uh, be able to promote yourself and and market whatever you have. Um, didn't have that at all before. You just ended up playing a garage or playing clubs for, for your whole life without right. having that opportunity. So it's it's a great vehicle for that. Um, as as far as you know, the writing and the the future of rock and roll, I'd say you just you just got to. You got to come up with something that's that's a different concept. It's just the same old stuff going over and over again doesn't work. Right. Try different chords. Try try listening to several different types of music. I mean, 
you know, like even listen to Sigur Rose or listen to Massive Attack or Porcupine Tree or something. Um, bands that are just not very well known in America, but they're huge mm-hmm. in other countries. Oh, right. Yeah. Europe's always been. You know? more... And I think that that's the problem that a lot of American musicians uh, have is that they keep trying to write and play the way, you know, stuff that's already been done. And you're just, it's not going to happen that way. There's a future mm-hmm. to music, and the future is by changing it. And so that you stick out and you yeah. just play whatever you want from from your heart and soul i mean that's what it's all really about getting get, getting everything out the way that you want to tell your own story and that's i think good. that that's what you know bands like remember in the in the 80s when like rem and talking heads and all that were coming mm-hmm. out you know alternative groups that uh most rockers didn't like but i thought it was fascinating what the the uh the new wave thing was bringing in because uh because it just had a totally different flair. And I thought, right. well, it's so different, but it's, uh, but I like it. <laughs> you yeah, know? I agree with you. And and I th- I think the other, the challenge that social, social media brings to the music industry is, as you say, you know, everything's been done. And now the world has so much access to so many different choices of music yeah. that there's that oversaturation factor which just further Absolutely. increases the need to come up with something new and creative yeah that's right and if you don't you won't you won't stand out right. you'll just blend with everybody else and, uh, and 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 that's just the bottom line like i said if you're a guitar player right from the drums not a guitar yeah. you know look for something in your mind like i said the way i write out solos is um i don't have a guitar even in my hand mm, that's amazing that's Put it in the corner and start hearing it first, wow. and that's where yeah. your imagination. Incredible. In. Now I know we touched, you know, on the other guys that uh, have passed away. We didn't really talk a whole lot about Randy Rand. He just recently p- passed away. Yeah. Well, well, and and you were you were with him in the second incarnation of Autograph, right? And, and I know losing him had to be a, a a hard thing. But how would you describe him? Me and Randy were just buds from 1983, so it's like 40 years ago. And he's just the kind of guy that is just happy-go-lucky. He had just a, a great sense of humor. And he was so quick to learn things and get his parts down in the studios. just like boom, boom, boom. Randy was just a natural at doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was just quiet to be around. Just uh, We were roommates the whole time we were, for the six years you know, that we were uh, touring, in the uh, in the eighties, me and Randy always roomed together, mm-hmm. and oh. uh, man, we drank a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, See, the two of us. It was like after the Motley Crue tour, I said, "That's I'm done. I'm done now." <laughs> I, I quit everything, and I just like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm good." And so, uh, but you know, so I quit. I quit drinking for like five years after that. December of '86, I went. Wow. That's it. I'm. So, so, so Molly, but, uh, Randy kept going, you know, Randy just seemed to be, you know, he's a workhorse, you know, so wow. just a great, great person. You know, he was a great friend for all that time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cool. Cool. Well, we got a lot of people in here watching and we even got uh Norman Voss bass player for Brett Michaels is in the chat room. So that's yep. cool. Um, uh, she's uh, Elizabeth English Talcott says loved getting to see him jam at streets gone wild yes. here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. That was a great show. Um, Very cool. Sue Answorth uh, might be your cousin. Says hi, cuz looking yes, great, and you hi, hi, are. Sue. <laughs> she says, 
looking great, and you are so awesome. I love you. Oh, love you back, Susie. So, yeah, and our friend Elizabeth uh, is commenting how great you look, and I would agree with that. Uh, our our show assistant over here is an esthetician, and she she said, uh, Teresa, find out his skincare routine. How do you keep your youthful look? He's Steve? from Florida. He's in Florida. Uh, it's methamphetamines. Oh, yeah. stop! <laughs> stop! Yeah, ancient Chinese secret. No, I just had to throw that out there. I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't do any of that stuff. Believe. But, yeah. um, well, your teeth look great. There, there was. There was my friend back in 1981. He was a bass player that I actually played with in a couple of different projects with. And um, anyway, his girlfriend w- worked at a salon. And she said, you know, you should start putting this this vitamin E stuff around your eyes and on your forehead and all that. She said, do that every day. She said, it will mm. keep you young looking forever. And you know what? I started doing it back then when I was probably... 26 years old is that right every day since wow good for you hey we have regina rand in here and she says thank you for remembering randy oh Oh, that's cool that's awesome hi regina love you uh genie's uh, randy and and i love you and suzanne and i love you to death regina you know that that's very cool. cool uh genie sweatser says when will 23 be available steve when will uh Network 23? Mm-hmm. I think that's what she means. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, that will be available. I'm going to re-release that. I've got. I've already got a remastered version of that that will be released um, after after my book comes out. I'm kind of going to kind of release everything all at once. I also have three guitar instructional books called The Right Touch, books one, two, and three that I'm going to release at that time. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, remastered Network 23. And... By that time, the three RCA albums will be out. So I'm going to release three uh, remastered versions of those. The awesome. RCA. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's going to kind of come down probably mid to late summer where everything's going to be coming out. So. Man, you are a busy guy. A lot to look forward to. Is, is the best way for people to stay in touch with you your Facebook page, or do you have another one that you prefer? You don't oh, have yeah, a Twitter it's, account. Yeah, it's English official. You can go on there and... And say hi. I, I I try to respond to everybody as I possibly can. So yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for accepting my friend request. Yeah. That was very nice. Larry Ford. Oh, <laughs> Larry Ford says loud and clear was my first vinyl of autograph. Wow, That's cool. nice. very cool. awesome. Um, do you have vinyl copies of your albums? I do. I have one of each. That's right. it. Nice. I've given all the rest away, but I've I've made sure that I kept at least one. For you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> good well guys do you have anything else it's already been a, this has been a fast yeah, hour quick yeah yeah i have a uh, messages yeah. in the chat room uh okay. leslie bailey says sad this actually happens to artists i guess that's when we were talking about um the getting your right your publishing and your stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah yeah great uh genie yes. says great yeah. interview thank you all thank you steve my friend uh benjamin yeah. cutler says awesome and uh, Regina Rand says, Steve, my brother, we already said that. Oh, so we cool. got to get this one in from Norman. Norman Voss says, on the first of seven Monsters of Rock cruises I went on, Steve was the first rock star I met. He was so nice and outgoing. I lived on the autograph. That uh, is super cool. Hey, Norman, how you oh, doing, that's buddy? So cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so You've cool. You've obviously made a really good like impression on, on people, yeah. and I know you were super kind to us when we met you at Streets Gone yeah. Wild. I don't want to encourage everyone in the chat room to to follow our Facebook page and hit that uh, subscribe for our to our YouTube channel because we 
or always bring in great guests like uh, like Steve. That's right. Definitely. And guys, please do, uh, while we wrap this up, please do make sure you stay in touch with Steve. Be watching for his autobiography coming out. Turn it up, Confessions of a Rock Guitarist. He's got so many more things going on. Just make sure you go to his Facebook page and follow him and stay in touch. Steve, if there's anything else we can do on this program for you to help you promote anything, just send it our way and we'll get it up on our page for you. Okay, that that would be great. Um, I'm also going to have all the links, you know, as everything does come up, the links will be on there. It'll, it'll be going to my, my website and to uh, another Facebook site that I have, too, as, as okay. far as, you know, that kind of stuff goes. Yeah, that's so, great. Are, are you... I'll, I'll let you know, and I will be posting all of the links to everything on perfect. my page as it's released. That's perfect. Are you in uh, Plunkett still? Are you still, uh, you know, friends and everything? Yeah, uh, like I said earlier, he's he's a minister, and, and that's what he does. He's super devoted to that, and I say good for him. Yeah. You know, that's that's great. And, uh, yeah, he still lives in Southern California, and uh, he's just not really in the music business anymore. Sure. You know? wow. just, just took a turn, and, you know, God bless him. Good Some guys him. just get out, kind of like Vito Brada from White Lion. He got yeah, out, too. I, yeah. you know, I often think about him you know, because he, of that. Yeah. He dropped out, God, back in the, what, the 90s, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, quick. He yeah, got crazy out. that a guy that talented just is like, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. It happens sometimes. We, we had a, a young uh, band here in Tulsa. They're, they were called Crooked X. And uh, Steve Plunkett, he actually, I guess, worked with uh, Doc McGee, the management, to um, yeah. uh, sign these kids. Um, and we, we, we all knew them very mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and had Steve uh, write some of their songs on their on their first uh, release. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Good time. Yeah, he was doing that a lot with younger artists. I remember that. So Yeah, he yeah. was very instrumental in that. Listen, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on Tulsa Music Stream tonight. We will make sure to stay in touch and ch- pick up your book and check everything else out that you have coming out. Thanks for being an awesome guy, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, My bud. Have, thank much, you, man. Much love. Thank have you, a great bud. night. We'll see you. All right. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That's a great interview. Yeah, that was a cool interview. That was great. Um, yeah, send some, send the stars. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you, Elizabeth, for sending those stars. Um, really appreciate that. And um, man, that was a great interview, guys. What a nice guy. Yeah, very nice. Man, isn't it going to be funny when we finally get someone on here that's just terrible and we can go, that guy was Plus, you know, terrible. that's another guy that carries that could just carry the interview, you know what I mean? I know. And that's good for three three uh, goofy musicians like us. Yeah. Sometimes we just need need help. But, you know, they have a lot of stories to tell. Yeah. Um, we yeah. all went for that dream. Some guys reached it, and we're getting to talk to him about it, and it's very cool. Yeah, we appreciate everything, uh, tuning into the chat room and, and sending your uh, your message and your your replies and everything your comments yeah so cool very yeah. nice i wonder if mine will work on there i just want to know if mine's that kind what do you mean you started charging right oh yeah Let me here just, you want to try yeah so there you go i saw something how on cool here. am i now oh wow well yeah you can, go ahead you can use it i am at 100 percent. oh you are okay I'm at so 15. scott you'll be proud of me i, sh- I used the side camera a whole lot tonight oh, there's there's good shots of awesome the, yeah i i figured you would like that let's remind everybody i'm going to run through our spiel that we always run through you guys can always watch this live or the replays on 
our Tulsa Music Stream YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch. Please make sure you subscribe to the Tulsa Music Stream YouTube channel. Hit the little bell, and that way you will get notifications when we go live. And if audio format is your thing, then you can hear us on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Let's talk about what's coming up just in three short days. I Boy, can't wait. We got to get to work, man. Uh, excuse me. This Friday, April 14th, we're all making special arrangements to do this. So mm-hmm. 1 p.m. Central, the one and only George Lynch will be on with us. You need to go ahead and make your arrangements, too, to join us. Yes, please do. And remember, if you can't catch it live, you can get the replay on all the platforms All the platforms <laughs> we just discussed. Wednesday, April 26th at 8 p.m. Central, James Kotak of Kingdom Come. And formerly the Scorpions will be on. And then... Friday, May nineteenth at eight PM Central. Ronnie Yonkins of Kicks will yep. be on with us. That's we are, we great. are, we are putting Tulsa on the rock and roll map, one stream at a time with rock solid interviews. Oh my mm-hmm. god, that is that's your new thing, isn't it? It is. That's pretty slick. I love it. Man. Scott Squires. I the, love he's it. He's the sloganeer. Oh my god, <laughs> Teresa, do you feel like saying hello this evening? Will you unmute her on channel four so we can channel four. hear her lovely voice? Look at her working hard. Hi. She, she's working hard. What What is your, uh, how are you feeling about, about our interview with, how did we do? How did we do? You guys did, did great. He did phenomenal, but how did he we really do? He really did. I mean, you guys always have the hard hitting questions, have the clever, quick things to say. Do we ever say What about a skin? Yeah. What about our skin? You and, know. His skin is fabulous, and vitamin E is is absolutely um, a, a great skincare regimen, and other things. But he he looks great, so he's not lying when he says do the vitamin E. Absolutely not, vitamin E. It's it's A, C, and E, folks. Vitamins A, C, and E. I'm going to it's, get them all. It's Ace. Okay. It's Ace. Ace it that way. And you know the fact that he was doing that at age 26. I think he's been a responsible right. person for most of his life. Right. Yeah. I didn't catch his actual age today. Did we? He said he was born in 57, I believe. I can't do math in my head. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I did so it when he said something. 60s. Cool. Help me. Yeah, he's uh, in the 60s. Fine. Help us okay. get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> yes, please do. And, and we'd appreciate that. And hey, real quick. Dustin Little is the man. If you ever have computer or IT needs, maybe you're one of those people that tries to fit an HDMI cable into a USB port just because you think it's supposed to go in there and you broke it. Call this guy, 918-640-0892, or email Dustin at okiepc.com. He can take care of all of your IT needs. DEB Concerts. Ramping up for Rocklahoma. Boom. It's going to be a party out there. Make sure you guys go visit the DNB processing stage at the Roadhouse at Rocklahoma. That's where all the cool mm-hmm. bands are. Mm-hmm. I mean, just saying. Identity merch. Okay, I need to do this right. I need you guys to buy shirts. I can't emphasize this enough. And you say, how do I find your store? Go to Facebook dot com slash Tulsa Music Stream. Go to our Tulsa Music Stream page. Look in the top left corner and hit our website. And it's going to take you to this online store and you can get a tank for summer because it's going to be hot. If you don't want a Tulsa Music Stream shirt, maybe your own band is about to break out big and you guys need some threads with your own band logo. Look up Identity Merch. Todd Cook will hook you up with some fine screen printing. GregShipman.com. We're getting ready to do some new rocket science photos with the shipments. It's going to be bomb. 
make sure you check them out for any photography needs you might have so remember get your shirts from todd cook get your pictures from the shipments and life will be good psychomo filmworks do you need a video for your band or your business he's your guy psychomo at gmail.com i think that's everybody i think that's everybody but hit them all up yeah do it you guys got anything else no are you tired um, i'm fine this was fun I, yeah. I appreciate everybody everybody for it's only um, the third inning what mm, what you asked yeah. if i was tired it's only the third inning oh okay. no i'm good okay good yeah. well just a reminder be back here friday if you can live at 1 p.m central george lynch will be on with us i'm so nervous already it's gonna be great though george now, if you guys don't have anything i don't either i think we're good are we done I think so. Okay. Much love. Have a great rest of the week. See you Friday for George Lynch, Tulsa Music Stream, saying good night. Good.